All right, we are back with the Black Dollar Podcast. It is your host, Kobe Ross, and your co-host, Mr. Christopher Bush. And uh, we, we're back, man. We're excited to talk about a whole new topic, something that's really been on our hearts and minds. We've been spending the entire week discussing it. Uh, but, you know, Bush, how are you feeling this week, man? Man, I'm feeling absolutely fantastic, man. Like I said, we are on the second episode, and it really just gives me excited just about the idea of just, uh, you know, just continue just to add value to people and just have real-life discussions. And, uh, Kobe, I got to tell you, man, like, uh, it's going to get real deep tonight, so it's going to get really deep. It's a topic that I feel like we should definitely touch on, go a lot more in depth on. So, But I'm feeling good, man. Like I said, I'm happy uh, as far as where we're at with doing, doing this, and uh, we're going to continue to grow. All right, All right perfect. So um, with that being said, uh, introducing our topic tonight, we are going to be talking about the racial wealth gap. Okay, And for those of you who do not understand what we're talking about here, we're talking about the difference in income and net worth between two different races of people, okay, and just a few different races of people, uh, and obviously we're talking about the minorities against the majorities, but most importantly, we want to talk about the reasons why uh, this has come to be, uh, and it goes back in time, we're not going to try to, you know, blame it on certain things, but we do want to address some facts that have caused us to be in the position that we're in today, so, you know, with that being said, you know, Bush, what would you say, uh, is the start of the racial wealth gap. Where, where did you say that kind of began? Yeah, well, it's, if you look at just like the history, well, first of all, for all of our listeners uh, with the podcast today, understand what we're talking about here. When we're talking about uh, the racial wealth gap. We're talking about the distribution uh, between wealth in the, in the United States currently. So I feel like it started really back in, we could trace it all the way back to the 1800s, but the reality of it is just being in America, it's almost like, especially when you look at just the uh, wealth gap between African Americans and other race, they're essentially, we're essentially starting, if you have two people that started a race at the exact same time, but one uh, race or one culture got 200 years ahead of you, it's almost impossible for that other uh, race or that other person to catch up. So if you look at just uh, what's going on for mm-hmm. centuries, Kobe, we had, I feel like African-Americans have to deal with not only oppression, but also discrimination uh, just coming up in America. So it's even crazier just today, uh, just with everything going on. But um, but yeah, it's just, it's real. It's really deep to talk about, man. I really, uh, really want to touch on this a lot. Okay, so, so you know, when we say with... Going back to the 1800s, because now you're talking about like slavery, yeah. right? And and everyone loves to say that people want to blame things on slavery and say that that's the reason why things are the way they are today. But I think if you were to factor in slavery alone, okay, for a very large period of time, slavery was wealth in the United States. Okay, I mean, we're talking about free labor, right? We're talking about people who are getting up every day, going to work creating wealth right they're picking cotton they're doing whatever that farm does they're creating wealth at no actual income so there's no cost to the business owner being the plantation um you know owner for the labor that's creating the money for for that same person so you know when you think about that you have slavery that was wealth and in in 1863 man you have slaves were worth about three billion dollars if you were to consider them a business Okay, and that's a lot of money, especially back then, right? 
And then you take that and you go against, you know, let's say the uh, uh, a proc- the Emancipation Proclamation where you have people who are supposed to be sla- free from slavery, right? But then there's no jobs available. You're not going to hire somebody to do the same job you had them doing for free, right? Just because the laws change. So we have this wealth gap that came from we were creating wealth for free and then we didn't have jobs readily available for us. And that's not even trying to get down the path of the Jim Crow and the, and the, the prison systems and everything else that has held us back. But from the standpoint of wealth and where we are today, I think that is a, a pivotal you know, starting point. I mean, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I totally, I totally, uh, I'm just, I'd be mind-boggling just, just talking about this type of stuff. In fact, uh, one of the things that really uh, just was an outburden for me, especially like just what happened like last year, like we really got to see just uh, who was swimming naked because like a couple of the studies that came out uh, just recently just talked about like, you know, when, uh, when we're faced into a situation uh, like the pandemic. Um, and you look to see just how uh, people reacted to it. Uh, studies showed that African-Americans were the ones who really had the least amount of resources when it comes to like uh, wealth itself, whether we're talking about, um, you know, uh, assets or even opportunity. So it's just um, just crazy just to think about just where we are today. But I feel like, um, and here's the thing, guys, I said for all of our listeners out there, really understand that just through just empowering people with education, but also helping people, you know, uh, grow their wealth. Okay, that can help just the culture. I can help uh, the culture just in the 21st century here. Uh, but also that can mean a huge impact um, in the future. And like I said, uh, Cobb, it's, it's crazy to talk about this. And this is something that I actually want to uh, revisit. I'm thinking that what we can do as well is just bring in some other people to talk about this. Because Cobb, I feel like it's so important uh, just for our culture, to, uh, for our culture to understand a little bit of the history, but also where we're at today and everything. Right. So right. It's, it's pretty crazy. But um listen to this though um and you know you and i talk about this stuff all the time as far as like just doing research and looking at the numbers and just seeing if we are in the stages of progression or if things are kind of just uh, you know slowing down and i was looking at the numbers man and it still had the asian household media income at ninety six thousand dollars then also the flip side of that it had the caucasian uh income right around sixty five thousand but African Americans were right around forty five thousand. But it was different. just that like maybe thirty seven, thirty eight thousand, maybe just a couple years back. So we're still seeing a little bit of progression, but we're still last place on the totem pole, you know, when it comes to that. So we want to continue to do this, okay, to add value to people. And like I said, it's just a crazy time. I wanna go a little bit deep with you, the man, talk about just some of the things I see in the future that's happening. But uh Cole, why don't you um you know, me and you talk about this recently, especially when it comes to our culture, but how do you feel like just nowadays, like what do you think people are seeking for? Because obviously I think last year people felt like we're in uncertain times, but what do you think are people are looking for like maybe just today or what do you think people need to be doing to kind of like help with that shift? I think that a lot of people are lost and I think that a lot of people are trying to figure out what to do. Um, and, you know, when we talk about, you know, the median difference, right? And you're talking about 
ninety thousand compared to forty five thousand. That's that's fifty thousand dollars a year difference, um, just about. And to me, that is a question that needs to be answered in a, in a different way because it's not just you know what they have or the jobs they have is what they know. Uh, we talked about the buying power in previous episodes, you know what I'm saying? And, and then compared to, you know, what we're making, if you say we're spending, you know, $1.5 trillion, but we're making on average 45000 that means every dollar that's coming in is going back out. But I, I do want to touch base on that. We're going to take a quick break here for a second. Um, but... Uh, and, and shout out to some of our sponsors really quickly. Uh, WRCX being one of them. Uh, Goodly Productions is another. Um, you know we have um, Bush Enterprise and Team Revolution who are who are pushing for this as well, as well as uh, something good, uh, which is which is providing us with a lot of our merch and some of the things that you can get from our our website. But you know, kind of circling back around to this man, like you said, knowing the knowing the past. And understanding where we are has a lot to do with making it make sense. Right. Okay. And so, you know, when you think about um, just real estate, right now, one of the biggest popular things is getting into real estate, especially from a wholesale standpoint. Everybody wants to, you know, buy homes and flip them. And I get that. But what they don't understand is how real estate has affected the, you know, community as a whole, as a culture, is due to something that, you know, happened a long time ago. Uh, you know, where, well, let me, let me start here. The home equity is about, you know, two thirds of wealth, you know, the average person's wealth. So that means that the house that they buy and the value of that house, you know, is two thirds of what their wealth technically is. It's in their home. So when you take into account that there's been a large period of time where, you know, minority communities couldn't move into certain neighborhoods, I want. I mean, think about it like this, Bush. Let's say that you know you have a house in the hood and you buy it for ten thousand. You have a house in the suburbs that you buy for ten thousand, and we buy them forty years ago. Okay, so that's the cost of the house when we buy them. Now today, due to the circumstances of the hood not developing, right? From there not being more stores, there not being more things, better schools, whatever. The value of your house in the hood is now fifteen to twenty thousand, depending upon the condition of the home, and if someone's going to come through and rebuild the area, right? That could maybe lift the value, but normally it's going to be very low. You take the same house in the suburbs that over time they've built up that area. The schools have gotten better. They they put in shopping. They put in whatever type of amenities for that area. Well, now that same ten thousand dollar house might be a two to three hundred thousand dollar house. So the wealth, you know, wealth just takes time. Yeah. Right. So if things are appreciating, if if my granddaddy bought a house for ten thousand and it's only worth twenty thousand, and your granddaddy bought a house for ten thousand and now it's worth three hundred thousand, there's going to be a difference in the outcome for our lives, yeah. right? And, and the biggest factor for that when it comes to culture is something called redlining. Most people aren't familiar. Have you heard of redlining before? You know what? We had a conversation about it, but I, I wasn't too familiar with it. So with the redlining concept is, you know, <laughs> this is kind of crazy to say, but risk when it comes to certain aspects of, of real estate or, or riskier neighborhoods, sometimes has been dependent upon someone's skin color. 
So therefore, when you have an, a, a, a neighborhood with a lot more melanin in that neighborhood, regardless of they're African-American, Hispanic, whatever, uh, Asian, doesn't matter. But the point is, if there's more melanin in that neighborhood, therefore, that would be considered a red line neighborhood. Okay? So it was only sold to certain people. And then houses outside of that neighborhood, if you were a person of color... Would be told that the house were either unavailable, already sold, or you know, off the market, whatever the case may be. So you have a circumstance where a long time ago people were being segregated, and that segregation put them into different types of housing, which now led them into a position where the housing that they were able to purchase has no value. Yeah. Right? I mean, we all have a grandma who has a house that's somewhere in the hood that probably is worth ten to twenty to thirty thousand dollars. And then you have your counterpart who may be from a different lineage than you who has a grandma who has a house somewhere that's worth a whole lot more. But when they bought them, the value of the home may have been very similar. So these are a lot of different things. If you have, you know, two two thirds of your equity or, or your wealth already being diminished based off of the ability of not being able to buy into the neighborhood that would have helped you build wealth. I mean, how can you recover from that? What do you feel like they can do? Uh, it's it's tough as shit. I mean, it really is. And I like how you really broke that down. And it's like, especially we look at just uh, nowadays, and it's kind of crazy how deep this stuff can get. But uh, me and you were uh, talking about just recently about just uh, artificial intelligence. Right. And how that's playing such a huge factor, you know, with people today. In fact, um, they were talking about, I was reading up on this actually last year, Cole, but they talked about just, uh, how, and, and understand, guys, what is artificial intelligence? It's essentially the growth of technology. So I feel like just last year, we got to really see how the pandemic as uh, technology grew, but also as things changed, a lot of jobs were being replaced. A lot of jobs were being essentially non-existent anymore, okay, as technology grows. So people kind of ask themselves, like, okay, if I'm in a world of ever-changing, if I'm in an ever-changing world, if I'm seeing technology replace people, if I'm last place on the totem pole when it comes to income, then what do we essentially do? And it goes back to, um, and I like how you broke that down, but it goes back to the idea of ownership. Right. Okay. It always reverts back down to ownership. So essentially for us to not only uh, shift the wealth gap, but we have to get people thinking about the idea of ownership and really start to have something in people's family that they can own. Now, like we talked about before, uh, like I said, we're still 200 years behind. But if we can get people to think about ownership, continue to think about just investing uh, time into themselves, then we can start to see some uh, changes. But like I said, man, this stuff gets so deep, Cole, because like I said, we can trace it <laughs> right. back uh, for hundreds and hundreds of years and just to see just how things are just changing, okay, as we speak, you know, it's mind-boggling, man. Man, look, to piggyback off of what you're saying with the ownership, you're absolutely right. Ownership is key because that gap is so huge that the only way that you could ever catch up is you need some type of rapid springboard to get you through, you know, generations of not knowing, generations of not having that income. So, you know, you're right. Ownership is key and, and, and capital is key. And, and a lot of people don't understand the term capital. They hear capital and they think that it's like liquid cash. And capital is anything that you own that can make you money. Right. So. Yeah, so so let me, let me let's start it over time. 
capital is anything that you own that can make you money. So that could be a house. That could be, you know, for people who are out there that are in the entertainment field, that could be your name, right? That could be your business. That could be something. But regardless, the ownership factor is the most important factor of all because when you own something, right, it gives you the potential to not only earn income with the freedom of time, but it gives you unlimited income. And there's no way in the world, right? I, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are great jobs out there. There are great careers out there. But there's no way in the world that you can become wealthy realistically working for someone else. And even if you're getting paid a high salary, even if you're paid 100000 a year, uh, one hundred fifty, maybe even 200000 a year, if you work for someone else, they still have the potential to fire you, get rid of you, do whatever the case may be, that that income is ceased. So that ownership is the only thing that gives you the potential to, one, catch up, but two, have control over your income, have control over your time, most importantly, have the control over your life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so you're right, man. I, I think that the ownership aspect of um, the ownership aspect of trying to catch up and close the, the void that we are calling the racial wealth gap is probably the only solution because people talk about, you know, um, reparations and with reparations, I I, I think that reparations could help, but I mean, let's look at the stimulus, right? You got a lot of people right now that $1,400 in one, you know, lump sum was the most they've ever seen on a check period. Okay. Outside of maybe their income taxes. So you know, adding reparations to the factor, something that just is going to basically put us in a position where you've given certain people an amount of money that really could help them, that really could put them in a position to change their life. But they do not have the education to do so. They don't know where to put it. They don't know what to do with it. All they know is what they've been taught. And we already know we have a broken educational system when it comes to money. We already know we have generational effects from that. So if you're, you can't learn it in school, you can't learn it from your parents, and you have to seek it out for yourself, how are you even encouraged to find that information? How are you to find the solution? And you'll have a bunch of people with a bunch of money that will more than likely put themselves in debt or, or burn it before they can even use it. Yeah. And no level of education behind it. No system that follows the, the reparation, in other words, that says, hey, here's the money, but here's what you have to do. You have to commit to putting something away for retirement. Or you have to commit to putting something away this way. Or you have to take a class on finance yeah. to be able to receive your reparation. But I still don't think reparations are the key. I think it's ownership, man, like you said. Definitely. Just to, just to stretch that, just to stretch a little bit further, too. And uh, you had a good point. You made me think about this just now, but uh, we were talking about like the whole idea of just like creating a, like a culture, right? And like it's just like okay, great. How do you how do you essentially uh, create a culture? And and I just heard this uh, recently. We were talking about it today, but like if you had like essentially like uh, four people in the pool, 
and they were essentially going in all different directions, creating some type of attraction, etc. Essentially, it creates a current. Okay, right. and even if they continue to go, it gets easier as it continues to build momentum and grow. And I feel like just with our uh, just culture as a whole, you know, just the um, just making sure that hey, we have a we have a high standard of excellence. But just to take it a step further, when it comes to ownership, like there's a I want to get too deep into it when it comes to the business, but we have a lot of people who are just like small business people, and that might be a great start. You know, don't get me wrong, but it's one of those things where, you know, you should have a vision to, you know, grow a big business. So you can continue to start changing and creating a ooh, start creating and creating a legacy, you know, for you and your family. So and that's something that I feel like we're on the right track on as far as like, you know, growing excellence and essentially just coming together and actually building something, man. You know what I'm saying? Like just, right. just be able to building something. And, and it gets me just fired up thinking about it because just think about it. If we came together, if we utilize our resources properly, but also accordingly, just how big people's legacies can be if people had that same vision. I completely agree. Okay, that would change. Now we're talking about cre- uh, shifting the generational wealth gap. Kobe, he, I know we got a lot of listeners who may be parents or whatever have you, and it's just like, uh, and a lot of us, um, I say, guys, I don't have, I'm not, a, I'm not a parent myself, but I think everybody on this planet Earth, if you have somebody who you look at as somebody who take care of or just want to see uh, you raise or succeed in the future, just always want them to say, okay, great, we laid down a solid foundation. Okay, this is what we created, but we know it can get to this next level. And if it, and when it gets to the next level, how many people are going to be impacted? And just thinking about just the next generation, you know, stepping in and even doing it better than the people who laid down the foundation. But if we don't lay down a solid foundation, we're essentially running in circles and not knowing like it's just like uh, we talked about before. The next generation always has to start over. And Kobe, I get, I'm tired of that shit, man. No, I feel you, man. And, and, and even with that being said, we talk about how we want this podcast to be different than others, and we don't want to just give you guys information, um, and you hear it, and then you don't know what to do with it, or you hear it, and they're still left with questions. So when it comes to ownership, we want to really under, or at least help to create an understanding for you. Um, first and foremost, don't think that the thing that you have a passion for is the thing that you should start a business in, okay? That doesn't always work. Okay, it doesn't always make sense and it doesn't always provide you with the lifestyle that you want. What you should actually look into are the things that you could own a business in and your skill set or your personality would be successful for. Okay, those are the things that most likely come natural to more people than the things they desire to do. All right. Now, I don't want to kill anybody's dreams. I don't want to say anything that's going to, you know, diminish uh, what you're trying to do. But I want you to understand if you're not going to be successful owning the business that you've been trying to do for a very long time, you might need to take the same energy, effort, discipline and whatever and find something that works better for you. Okay, but there's a lot of opportunity for ownership. Obviously, it doesn't have to be uh, an inventor. You don't have to make up a new product that hasn't been existed ever before you can find things that are already out there that people are looking for um you know you can learn a new skill set you can learn a new trade you know there's a lot of things that you can do that can open you up into ownership but the most important thing that you must do is you have to first go out there and set up an llc
Okay, you have to have an LLC. You have to go out there and get an EIN number. Okay, you got to be legit. You got to make sure that you know how to set up so that you can pay your taxes the way that they need to be paid. You need to have an accountant. You need to have a financial advisor. You need to talk to an attorney. These are all the aspects that if you're really going to be an owner, be an owner. Don't be a person who talks about the idea that they say they want to start and never do it because there's too many of them out there. Right. There are very few successful business owners, but there are a lot of small business owners. Right. With big dreams and big ideas, but not the same discipline without the same, you know, effort. And and I'm not trying to challenge anybody with that, but we're telling you this. If the cure to getting out of where you are financially, if you're not happy with where you are, is through business ownership, is through personal development and is through growth. Then you are going to have to step up. And we don't expect every conversation to be comfortable, do we? No, not at all. And they're not comfortable for us. So we're not saying anything that we couldn't say to ourselves in the mirror. Uh, But at the same time, we want to leave you guys, like I said, with tangible things. So find out what it is that you could own that makes sense for you. Uh, Figure out what makes sense for your skill set and what's available to you. Also, determine what the lifestyle is that you want to live. Because I think a lot of people, Bush, they go out and they they love this job. But then when they're doing the job, the job doesn't provide the lifestyle that they wanted. And then they start to resent the job. Right? So, it'd be better if you just did the, find out the lifestyle at least that you want to live. Then find what people do that live that lifestyle. And see if that makes sense for something that you do. Because otherwise, you'll just keep chasing this this, you know, uh, hamster wheel. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I mean, what what what, what is your closing notes on this? Time. Yeah. So success, number one, always leaves clues, but you can always, uh, you know, have somebody who's done it before you so people can, um, you know, more importantly, learn how to do it. So a mentorship. Yeah. Mentorship is uh, very important. And, uh, and just having the right team, you know, that's absolutely huge. I know you talked about it uh, just recently, just with the business owners, making sure that you have like your financial advisors, your attorneys, and people that pay that play an integral part inside, you know, someone's business as well. But also, I say one of the main key factors uh, is you got to continue to invest in yourself. You can't expect other people to invest in you if you don't invest in yourself. And that's why I said we appreciate you guys investing your time today to start to get to know us to have conversations with us, but more importantly, interact with us and know that you guys got a place where we can actually, you know, hear you guys' voices, but also just talk to the people out there in the public. So um, continue to invest in yourself. That's number one. And like I said, you want to be able to put yourself in a position where because you invested yourself, the person you become in the process of doing that is a person that you can always be proud of. Absolutely. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, um, like I said, we appreciate everybody, man. Like I said, this is a new podcast. Cole, we got a lot of new listeners, man. I'm feeling absolutely blessed like a king that we got people tuning in today. So, man, with that being said, man, we're gonna keep keep it going and um Absolutely, yeah. man. So in closing, this is episode two of the Black Dollar Podcast. This is just the beginning, guys. We've been covering a lot of topics involving finance, a lot of topics we're gonna be talking about are self-growth. So Keep it locked. Stay tuned. This is the Black Dollar Podcast. See y'all the next time.